Today I'd like to talk to you about the, the grace of God. So does everyone know what grace means? Grace is something good that you received because you not without you deserving it. So for example, if you agreed to work for someone for $10 an hour and you worked for them for 6 hours and they gave you $60, that wouldn't be grace because you worked for it and you earned it. However, if you agreed to work for them for 50 cents an hour and you work for them for six hours, you should get $3. Is that right? But if they give you $60, then that's grace because you didn't deserve it. Now, what if you did something really bad that you weren't supposed to do and actually you owe them something and then they decided to give you $60? This is more grace, right? So this is grace for us. God gave us something that we didn't deserve. In fact, he gave us the opposite of what we deserved because we are all sinners. We cannot keep his law. We transgress his law. And so we deserve punishment. But instead of punishment, we owe him. Instead, he gave us good things and he canceled our debts. So We all receive everything good from God by grace, by his grace. We receive salvation by grace, and we receive the Holy Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit by grace. You know, none of us receive the the gifts of the Spirit because we're a spiritual people or, or good people, but we receive them by grace. We didn't do anything to deserve it or earn it. So this is the the grace of God. But I want to share with you one aspect of God's grace that really has made a big impact on my life personally and on Paul and many other people in the Bible. This aspect of grace is that God has a special plan and purpose for your life. He has a plan for each one of you. He wants to use you. So, when you became a Christian, when you first believed, you received the gift of eternal salvation. You inherited everything that Jesus, that belongs to Jesus, now belongs to you. These are good things. But you also have a purpose and, and, and mission for your life. And for each one, it's different because each one of us are different, right? I want to give you some examples. Um, First, I want to tell you that, you know, so therefore, as a Christian, we shouldn't think that, you know, we should just coast through life, try to find the path of least resistance until we slip over into the other side because God has a purpose for us. You know, um, it's good. We should take vacations, spend time with our families, have barbecues, you know, enjoy life. Because these are good things from God. But we shouldn't live for those things. You know, oftentimes we may get together with our friends. And what are, you know, maybe some of the 
things that you talk about are, you know, what I'm going to do this weekend or the vacations that I have planned for this summer. And especially if your friends don't know the Lord or, you know, they're, they don't understand that God has a purpose for their life, then it seems like their whole life is just focused on those things, going from one vacation to the next or having a new thing that they're going to enjoy, or I'm going to get a new car, or a new phone, or, or, or something. And so their, their life is oriented towards just having things that they can enjoy. And again, these are not bad because they're from God, okay? God gives us good things so that we can enjoy. But that is not the same as the purpose of your life. In the Bible... God gave people purpose, and it wasn't anything that they deserved, and it wasn't anything that they earned. God called Abraham just because he believed in God. Abraham didn't do anything to come up with the purpose by himself. God gave it to him. God said, go to this land that I'm going to show you. And I'm going to bless you, make you the father of many nations. And all the people on earth will be blessed through you. That's a pretty awesome purpose. God gave Moses a purpose, even though Moses didn't do anything to deserve it. When he was first born, his mother put him in the wicker basket and sent him down the Nile River. And then he was taken out of the Nile River by the daughter of Pharaoh. Moses didn't do anything to deserve that, right? But he was brought up in Pharaoh's household for a purpose. He was driven into the desert where he met God for a purpose because God wanted to use Moses to take his people out of captivity. You can look at the prophet Jeremiah. Jeremiah was young. He said, Lord, I don't know how to speak. I'm just a child. But God said, I've appointed you as a prophet to the nations. Before you were, when you were in your mother's womb, I knew you. So God had a purpose for Jeremiah. God had a purpose for Peter, James, and John. Before they met Jesus, what were they? Kind of stinky fisher guys, you know, up in Galilee. And when they met Jesus, Jesus told them, from now on, You will be fishers of men. God had a purpose for them. God had a purpose for Matthew, who wrote the Gospel of Matthew. He was a tax collector. He used to be a tax collector, sitting at the tax collector's booth. Jesus passed by and said, come, follow me. Matthew made a decision to follow God's purpose for his life. He left behind his tax collector's booth, and he followed Jesus. God had a plan for Paul. Who was Paul? Paul used to be this guy named Saul. And he was a very, you know, very educated and zealous Jewish man. And he hated Christians. And he tried his best to destroy the church of God. Let's look what Paul says about himself in Galatians chapter 1, verse 13 through 16. Galatians 1, 13 through 16. For you have heard of my previous way of life in Judaism, how intensely I persecuted the church of God and tried to destroy it. 
I was advancing in Judaism beyond many Jews of my own age and was extremely zealous for the traditions of my fathers. But when God, who set me apart from birth and called me by his grace, was pleased to reveal his son in me so that I might preach him among the Gentiles, I did not consult any man. So Paul realized that I used to be this way. And then for no reason of my own merit, God intervened by his grace and he called me to that purpose for which he had set me apart from birth. God had a, Paul knew that God had a purpose for his life even before he was born. And at the right time, God intervened in his life. Paul's life was going this way. And then he says, but when God intervened by grace, God set him on a new direction. God gave him a new purpose in his life. For Paul, the purpose was to be an apostle to the Gentiles. God has a purpose for your life. For each one of you. You may think, I'm not very capable, or I'm too old, or I'm too young, or I don't know enough, or whatever it may be. But God has a purpose for you. He has a very important thing for you to do. We don't know what it will be yet. Just like some of these people, they didn't know exactly what it was going to be, uh, what they were going to do. God kind of revealed it to them. I think the only person who knew, who knew uh, the best was Jesus because God revealed to him from the Old Testament what the Messiah was going to do. That's, I believe that Jesus had a better idea. But the rest of them, I don't, I don't think they, they knew exactly what, what it would, how it would turn out. But they were willing. They knew that God had called them to something. They knew there was some purpose for God in their lives. And this, this mission, this purpose that God gave to them was the grace of God. This grace is a very important thing. It's a very precious thing. If you can know and live according to this knowledge, it's going to change your life. God has a purpose for you. He has something he wants to use you for. So that when you go to meet him one day, he will say, well done, good and faithful servant. You lived for the purpose for which I had set you apart. God gives us grace. And we are responsible to respond to God's grace. God gives us grace, but we need to respond to his grace. It's up to us to make something of his grace. Because we can ignore the grace of God or we can miss the grace of God. Let's look in Luke chapter 12, verse 47 and 48. Luke chapter 12, 47 and 48. Says that servant who knows his master's will and does not get ready or does not do what his master wants will be beaten with many blows. But the one who does not know and does the things deserving punishment 
will be beaten with few blows. From, every, from everyone who has been given much, much will be demanded. And from the one who has been entrusted with much, much more will be asked. So Jesus is speaking here to his disciples, and he's telling them that we are responsible to respond to the things that God gives us. Now, when your master gives you something to make the most of it, that's his grace. Do you realize that everything in your life, who you are, where you are right now, is the grace of God? I, want, I hope to open your eyes so that you can realize, wow, God actually prepared me for such a time as this. To be in this situation, to be in this church, to be with these these resources to have these people around me for a purpose. This is the grace of God. How am I going to respond? What am I going to do in response to God's grace? If we realize this, if we start to think about this, then we're not going to say, oh, look at that person. You know, God has called that person to do you know, this type of thing. Or, why, why did God call me to do this and not call other people to do this? We won't compare ourselves with other people. We won't say that, oh, I don't have the same results or I don't have the same mission as, as that person does. We will stop doing that because we realize that God has created us uniquely. And we have unique experiences. We have unique amounts of resources, of natural talents, and spiritual gifts that God has given us uniquely to do for the things that which he has called us to do. Can you look at your life and examine your life and see this is the grace of God? I will give, use myself as an example God, I mean, God sent Pastor Lau to reach out to my father a long time ago. Was it 1986 or something like that? You know, at that time, my father was against Christianity. But Pastor Lau, he came and he was, he had time apparently to reach out to stubborn, <laughs> stubborn used car salesman. <laughs> so... So he, he, he met my, they met my parents at a Thai New Year's party. At that time, they were reaching out to Thai people. And he spent many months traveling from Northgate down to Auburn. South, we lived where the Muckleshoot Casino is now. So from Northgate, driving down to our house in Auburn, almost out to Enumclaw. That's how far it was. Every week to read the Gospels with my father. Until my father, his heart was softened enough that he agreed to go to the care group. And then later, then he agreed to close his business on Sundays and go to church on Sundays. Wow, God, you are so gracious to send Pastor Lau at that time. Because Pastor Lau might not have the time to do such a thing, you know, now. But God knew the right time. So this happened you can, can you see that God had a purpose in it? 
And this was God's grace to me and to my brothers and sisters. You know, uh, Lancer, Nisa, and Justin. It was God's grace to us. I don't know. Actually, my parents, their relationship wasn't good at that time. So maybe the family would break up. Maybe something else would happen to me. I wouldn't be here today. But because of God's grace, I have the opportunity to be where I am, to be in a good church. I'm just giving you this example from my own life. But I think God has been doing similar things in each of your lives. Maybe you have a grandmother or grandfather or a parent who has been praying for you for many years. If you are here today in this sanctuary because your friend invited you and you're listening to this this message, maybe... God has a purpose in it, why he brought you here. Some of you may have gone through difficult things in your life, very difficult things. Those were not God's will. He didn't want those bad things to happen, but he can change those bad things around and he can use them. So as Paul said in 2 Corinthians 1, 3-4, he says, with the comfort you yourselves received, you can comfort others. So God can even use the bad, bad past experiences for a purpose, a good purpose. God has a purpose for you. Maybe some of you were born into very good families and you didn't lack anything. You had many resources. You had your parents to teach you, you know, the value of hard work. You have to save and plan and be prepared. And those are all good things. If you have parents like that, you should thank them. That's the grace of God in your life too. Maybe you, they paid for your, your college education so that you didn't have to have any debt. And they helped you to write your application letters and everything so that you eventually ended up with a good career. You must realize this is the grace of God to you. And this grace wasn't given you so that you could be selfish and and arrogant. But this grace was given you so that you could be generous to others. And you could be humble because you know that you receive so much from God. Can each of you look and recognize the grace of God in your life? What God has given to you. For Paul, Paul he looked later on, he looked back and he saw, wow, God was so gracious to me. Even though I used to be doing this, but God turned it around. And even my past experiences helped me to be prepared to, to preach the gospel better. And when I first became a Christian, I got hooked up with this very great mentor. His name was Barnabas. And Barnabas, he called me to Antioch, where they were starting the first Gentile church. And I was teaching and and preaching together with Barnabas. And that prepared me so that I could be an apostle to the Gentiles. So there were ever in your lives, you have many experiences that God is preparing you for a special purpose. Let's look in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 9 and 10. 1 Corinthians 15, 9 and 10. 
So Paul is writing to the church in Corinth, and he tells them, For I am the least of the apostles, and do not even deserve to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace to me was not without effect. It means that God, I mean, Paul didn't take God's grace for granted. He made it have effect. In other versions it says, but his grace to me was not in vain. It means that God's grace could, could have been in vain to Paul if Paul had not responded to the grace of God. But he, but he says, no, I worked harder than all of them. Means that I really responded to the grace of God. I worked hard. Yet not I, but the grace of God that was in me. So you can see how these two things are wrapped up together. First, we need God's grace, right? Because we can't do anything on our own. On the other hand, we need to respond to the grace of God. We need to work together with God, be his co-laborers, agree with him about his purposes for our life. And when we, re- we respond together, then we're going to achieve God's purposes for our life. So you can see this is the way that Paul saw God's grace in his life. This is the way that Paul understood God's grace to him, is that I didn't deserve it. It came to me. God gave me this good thing. Yet I had to respond. And even in the act of responding, God was still with me. And he gave me the grace to carry out the task that he had given me to do. The point is, from everyone who has been given much, much will be demanded. And from the one who has been entrusted with much, much more will be asked. God is not going to ask you to produce the same thing as somebody else, but he's going to measure each of us according to what he has given us. We are individually responsible for responding to God's grace in our lives. How will you respond? Jesus himself says that one day everyone is going to receive the reward for the things done in the body, whether good or bad. One day we are going to meet God. We are going to have to give an account with how we responded to God's grace in our lives. We don't want to go there and be surprised. Oh, wow, I never knew. I didn't realize. You had given me so much grace, so many opportunities to serve you. But I just lived my life selfishly. So I receive no rewards. I'm not saying that you won't be saved because God wants all people to, to be saved and I think believe he's gracious. But we're talking about rewards here. Rewards. We want to go to heaven one day and have him say, well done, good and faithful servant. You can see that Paul, many times in his letters, he talks about looking forward to that day that he's going to stand before Jesus Christ and he's going to receive the crown of life and he's going to say, I fought the good fight. I finished the race. Paul is looking forward to that 
to that day when he meets Jesus because he knows he doesn't need to be ashamed. I hope that all of us will be the same way. We say, God, everything you gave me, I tried to do the best I could. I played the best with the cards I was dealt. You mean you play the best hand with the cards that you're dealt, right? If you have two of a kind or two pairs, it would be silly to, pl- to throw away those, those things and play something else, right? You want to play those two pairs. I don't know. Maybe that's not a good example. <laughs> but, but God gives each of you some grace in your life. You want to make the best use of it so that when you meet Jesus on that day, you can say, Jesus, I did the best with what you gave me. We need to be careful not to miss the grace of God. We can miss the grace of God. The Bible says so in Hebrews 12, 14 to 17. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14 to 17. Make every effort to live in peace with all men and to be holy. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one misses the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. See to it, see that no one is sexually immoral or godless like Esau, who for a single meal sold his inheritance rights inheritance rights as the oldest son. Afterward, as you know, he wanted to, hit, to inherit this blessing. When he wanted to inherit this blessing, he was rejected. He could bring about no change of mind, though he sought the blessing with tears. It's very scary. The author of Hebrews says, we might miss the grace of God. He refers to Deuteronomy chapter 29, verse 18, where it talks about the root of bitterness growing up and is a sin that you know causes trouble we have to be careful not to miss the grace of god god it it depends how we respond we may respond well like paul or we may respond poorly like esau esau he was the the firstborn of two twins there was Esau and Jacob. Esau was burned forth first. So, actually, it should have been Abraham, Isaac, and Esau. But the Bible says that Esau despised his birthright. He thought, nah, what is that? Nothing. God's plan for my life, nah, it's not worth anything. Oh, I'm so hungry. Give me that soup. I'll give you the, in, in exchange for God's plan for my life. So Jacob got it instead. Sometimes we might make a mistake. And because we've, we don't value God's plan in our life enough, we just sell it away. I have to admit that I haven't always made the right decisions. It's no use crying after spilt milk, we don't know what could have been. But I want to tell you, I have a good message later on, is that God gives us more grace. Who knows what would have happened if Abraham did not make a mistake with Hagar and had Ishmael? Probably there wouldn't be so much fighting today, right? 
Who knows what would have happened if David did not commit adultery with Bathsheba. That wasn't God's plan, but God turned it around because he has grace. But maybe something better would have happened had he not done that. Sometimes we all make mistakes. And it's no use to look back after we made the mistake. But when we have that choice, we have to realize that we're choosing between two things. We're choosing between a pot of stew that seems really good right then or between God's plan in our life. And the problem is, is that very often we don't value God's plan in our life enough. We don't see God wants to use us to reach many nations or wants to use our, our children to, be, to reach many nations. You know, many of you, you may be the, just a, a homemaker, a stay-at-home mom or dad. Did you know you can also... People don't, usually don't write the books about the, the great men or women, their, their parents, but maybe they should. <laughs> you know, one day when we go to heaven, I think John and, John and Charles Wesley, you know, they're going to receive rewards. But maybe even greater will be their mother. I believe her name was Joanna, who, who, who raised them up. Joanna had like 12 kids or something, you know, crazy, and... You know where her prayer closet was? It was under her apron. <laughs> she, would, she would kneel down and put her apron over her head, and you didn't, you didn't interrupt mom when she had her apron over her head because she was praying. And because I believe she was such a powerful prayer warrior, her children, John and Charles Wesley, were used to bring revival to England and America. You need, we need to value the plan of God in our lives. God has a very valuable plan for us. Don't sell it for a mess of pottage. Pottage. You know, porridge. <laughs> Do the people... Porridge, sorry. It's, it's much more valuable than that. What happens if we miss the grace of God? Let's look at James chapter 4, verse 4 through 5. James says, James chapter 4, verse 4 through 5. James says, You adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world is hatred toward God? Anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. Or do you think scripture says without reason that the spirit he caused to live in us envies intensely James he says you you adulterous people you should be married to God but because you're going out and having affairs with the world you're cheating on God and God is jealous over you with a just jealousy just like a husband's jealousy is just right it's a right jealousy all of us at times we try to make friends with the world that's not good So what should we do? Look at verses 6 through 10. But, what does God do if you miss the grace of God? But, he gives us more grace. Wow. 
we really worship an awesome God that he doesn't want us to receive the punishment that we deserve. And even when we missed his grace, he gives us more grace. That is why the scripture says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come near to God and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you dumbbell-minded. Grieve, mourn, and wail. Change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will lift you up. So he gives us three promises here. First, if we resist the devil, he's going to stay around. No. If we resist the devil, he might flee. No. If we resist the devil, he will flee. Now, he doesn't say always immediately. (laughs) But I want to tell you that if you resist the devil and you keep resisting the devil, he will flee from you. He will flee from you. You stand firm. You keep fighting with the devil. And eventually, he's going to flee from you. Don't give up. How many people have read The Pilgrim's Progress by John Bunyan? And you, you read that part where he's fighting the, the demon Apollyon. You know, and he's fighting and fighting and he's almost down, but he doesn't give up. And then he sees the word of the sword of the spirit lying there and he reaches and gets it and stabs the demon. And the demon, and he has to get out of the way. He has to be like that. You know, sometimes we need to fight. Keep fighting. The problem is, is that sometimes we give up too easily. But if we stand firm and resist the devil, he will flee. The second thing that James says is that come near to God and he will come near to you. God is not going to play coy with you. He's not going to run away, (laughs) you know, that you can't catch me. If you come near to God, he is going to come near to you. He is not going to abandon you. He's not going to leave you, you know, um, unfulfilled. He's going to come near to you. And then the third thing, final thing, is that if you humble yourselves before the Lord, he will lift you up. If we miss the grace of God, we need to stand firm, resist the devil, seek God more, and then humble ourselves. And then God is going to restore us. He's going to, God is a gracious God. Look at the example of Abraham we mentioned with Ishmael. Look at the example of King David. He made a mistake big mistake but God turned that mistake around so that even the son Solomon the son of Bathsheba became his heir wow God's grace is abundant if we humble ourselves before the Lord then he's going to lift us up the secret to staying in the grace of God is humility We need to be humble. 
anything good that we do isn't because of ourselves. It's because of God's grace. But our job is simply to respond to the grace of God. We need to stay humble. Paul, he says in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9 to 10. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. If we stay humble... We say, God, I need more of your grace. I recognize your grace in my life. You have this vision for me, this purpose for me, and I want to fulfill it. Lord, I need more of your grace. I'm a weak person. I can't do it on my own. I need your help. Then we are strong. Then we are strong. Then God can use us. How many of us are like that this morning? You realize that you need God's help. Good, that's good. The problem is is when we think everything is okay and then we don't need God's help anymore. <laughs> that's the problem. Let's let's uh, close in in prayer. Lord God. Lord, we submit ourselves to you. And we know that you have a purpose for our lives. And Father God, we, we value that purpose. Lord, you are going to use some of these people to go to other countries, Lord. You are going to use some of these people that their children are going to be great evangelists or revivalists or teachers or pastors. You are going to use some of these people, Lord, that they're going to be the pillars of the church to, and their house is going to be like a tree that provides food and comfort and shelter and healing for many other people. You have a plan for each of these people, Father God. Lord, each of them is so precious to you. None of them are too old or too young. But they all, Father God, have an important role to play. And one day, Lord, when they go to meet you, if they have responded to your grace, then you're going to say, well done, good and faithful servant. And Lord, we look forward to that day. We look forward to it, Lord. And Lord, we just want to respond to you and walk with you day by day and pray, Lord, that your will be done here on earth, Father God. Thank you, Lord. Father God, if anybody, they feel that they need more grace from you, Father, I pray that you come and you fill them. Touch them, Lord. Lord, we know according to your word that you are a gracious God. 
that your mercies are new every morning. That when you forgive our sin, you really forgive it completely. And Father, we know your promises and your word that when we humble ourselves, you will lift us up. Father, we humble ourselves now. Father, I pray for restoration. I pray for healing. I pray for empowerment. The lies of the enemy will be rebuked. Lord, you've set these people apart for your purpose. Your hand is going to be on them, Lord. You are going to empower them to walk a new life, to fulfill your purposes, Lord. Thank you, Father God. Lord, we, we thank you, we worship you because you are a good God. You are a gracious God. And Lord, we pray and ask for more of your favor on our church, on this church family, so that we will all grow in grace and in love. Help us, Father God, to fulfill your purposes, Lord. Help us to change nations, Father God, to change the destiny of nations, Lord, to reach out to this city that you've put, placed us in, Lord. Father God, we pray this, Lord. Thank you, Father God. Help us to love you more than loving the world. Help us to always look forward to that day when we're going to meet you. Thank you, Lord. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I hope that uh, this message today, you know, it opens your eyes so that you see how God is working in your life more. Remember that the words in the Bible, you can take it to the bank. means they're true. You can rely on them. So even though you may feel this way, but you can count on God's word because God's word doesn't change. And you can act according to that. No matter, you don't act according to your feelings. God bless you. God's going to use you this week. God bless you.